Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, November 1st, 2018. I'm Shannon, and I'm joined by Stacy and Jen. And we are here to talk with you about books that take place during World War II. Hello, ladies. Hello. Good evening. It is a very rainy, dreary, yucky day here, but that makes it a great day to curl up with a fabulous bookity. It does indeed. So we all really, really love World War II-based novels, and so it seemed like a great thing to come in here and chat about. I'm always really pleased when I can get some good World War II recommendations, so hopefully we will be able to provide some of those to other World War II enthusiasts. But before we do, I have the usual housekeeping information, and then we can get started. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you bring up the page, you can like and or follow it. You can also ask to join our Book Bistro Facebook group where you can interact with us as well as with other listeners. If you want to get a hold of the Book Bistro team for any reason, you can do that on Facebook through Messenger or you can send us an email. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com and one of us will get back with you. All right. So for World War II, I will start us off, and then Jen can go, and then Stacy will finish up the round. So my first pick is a book I read when I was way too young to be reading such a book. And this came out in 1991. I was concerned that it might be out of print, but fortunately it was released in paperback several years later and so is still available, which means I get to talk about it. So this is The Other Side of Love and it's written by Jacqueline Briskin, who wrote a handful of these huge novels that are, are lovely. Um, but this one takes place during World War II. It starts in Germany in 1936. And we are introduced to the Kingsmith family, who are very wealthy. They own a department store that has branches in Berlin, in London, and in New York City. So in 1936, Kata is living in Germany, and she is an Olympic runner. And so she is competing for the German um, women's running team. Wyatt, who is her cousin, or is he, um, is competing for the United States, and he's a basketball player. So the Olympics bring this family together, and it's kind of the eve of World War II. Um, there's a lot of unrest in Germany, uh, the laws forbidding Jewish people to be in certain places, to own businesses, um, to walk freely around the, the country. They have just been instated and, and things are kind of chaotic. And the story follows Kata and Wyatt as they fall in love. And you might be wondering like how it's possible for them to fall in love when they're first cousins. But there is a secret about Wyatt's mother that we learn pretty early on. And it makes it 
clear that Wyatt is not actually related to Kata by blood. And I say this only because I know that the idea of a romance between cousins can put some people off. So during the war, Kata, who lives in Germany, is thought to be very loyal to Hitler. And this offends Wyatt deeply because Wyatt is half Jewish. And so they're the love that they feel for each other is threatened by this. And Keta becomes involved um, in some resistance work against the Nazis. But of course she can't broadcast this. So Wyatt believes her to be this loyal German woman. And he, he comes to hate her. And we follow them for like 10 years. Um, so the story ends in 1946, aside from this little epilogue that takes place in 1988, that kind of shows how everyone ended up. But this is such a lush, evocative novel. I read it, like I said, when I was way too young. And yet I could remember all these details of this book. I can remember like all the characters' names and these like really specific scenes. And I reread it again um, just last weekend. And it was just as fantastic the first time, or this, this time as it was when I read it before. So I very highly recommend this if you're looking for a huge sweeping family saga that deals with romance and the war and a little bit of espionage. Um, it's just lovely. And again, this is The Other Side of Love by Jacqueline Briskin. I'm going to have to try it, Shannon. I uh, I was a little afraid because of the cousin reference. So. Oh, I wish you would. It's so, so good. I, I love it. Okay, now that I know that they're not actually first cousins. No, I, mean... I tried to tell you <laughs> that, but then, like, I didn't want to actually come out and say it because I didn't want to spoil things. But then I'm like, I'm going to have to because people don't want to read it if they think, you know, that it's like an incest thing. Mm -hmm. So my first pick is the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Mary Ann Schaefer and Annie Burroughs. This book is one of my favorite books ever, ever, ever. And it was recently made into a Netflix uh, movie, which I've not seen yet, but I plan to. And this book is just so wonderful. It's told through letters. It is 1946. And author Juliet Ashton is looking for the subject of her first or her next book when she stumbles upon a letter from a man who found her name in a book he just randomly got at a bookshop. And she begins his correspondence with this guy who lives on the Isle of Guernsey, which at this point um, is, is being occupied. And... He tells her about his book club, which is sort of a book club and sort of not. Um, originally, it was invented as a ruse to get he and his friends out of trouble because they were out past curfew um, when uh, the island was first occupied. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, we were just going home from our book club. It's fine. <laughs> and... Um, and And so she begins to not only correspond with this man, but with all of the members of the book club as well. And then she is compelled to travel to Guernsey and her life is forever changed by these wonderful, quirky, charming people. And there's some romance and there's some, you know, really intense stuff about how the war is affecting people's lives. And there's beautiful, 
so many beautiful quotes about books. There's so many quotes from this book that I just love. Um, if you love books, you'll love this. If you love World War II novels, you'll love this. If you love reading a story that's told through letters and is done in that format really, really well, you will love this. If you love things that are delightfully quirky and utterly charming, you will just love this. Again, it is called The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society by Annie Burroughs and Marianne Schaefer. So one of my most beloved friends, like 10 years ago, or, you know, somewhere thereabouts told me, Stacey, you have to read this book. You have to read it. And I was like, I don't really like it. Is it epistolaries? How do you say that? You know, I'm not really into like mm -hmm. books told in letters and, mm -hmm. but I've never heard one negative thing about this book. So I'm going to have to try it. It's fantastic. I actually have never read it, although I keep oh my goodness, to. People. I know, I know, I need to. And then we can write letters back and forth about how much we like it. Oh, we could. It could be like an epistolary novel through email. Okay, so yeah. let, me, let me just give you, let me give you a taste. Let me give you a taste, right, of one of these quotes I've been talking about, right? So now I forget which character, because I did read this like ages ago, right? Um, but one of the characters says, and my job was to talk uh, to cover the philosophical portion of the debate. They were like kind of trying to talk about like why books were important. He's like, and all I could think to say was that books keep you from going gaga. <laughs> oh, well, I suppose they do. Yeah. So, and another one was like, good books ruin you for bad books. And there's just there's so many great quotes. It's just it's so good. We'll have to try it in letter. I'm going to talk about a Kristen Hanna book that I read Yay. that talks about World War II. And I'm sure most everyone is thinking that I'm going to talk about The Nightingale. And I really struggled because I really want to talk about The Nightingale because um, for me personally, it was, um, I actually, I read it before all the hype. I read it the day it came out and I loved that book so much. But actually the book I'm going to talk about today is Winter Garden by Kristen Hanna. And I read this book um, when it was released back in 2010. And it was one of those books that kept me reading long into the night. And it was when I had an early morning shift at a job where I was working and I was supposed to be up at 5.30. And I remember the book ended at 3.30. And I just sat there ugly crying in my bed at my job, like, because I just could not even, like, I've never read a book that has moved me like Winter Garden did. So Winter Garden is kind of a dual timeline in the sense that part of it takes place more in present day, um, sometime during the 1990s, and part of the book takes place during World War II. So in the present day, the book focuses on two sisters, Meredith and Nina, who have grown up with this very icy mother named Anya. And any scrap of love that they receive is always from their father. Well, now they're grown up and their father is dying and the only connection they ever had with their mother was when she would tell them as children, this Russian fairy tale um, about this woman and, and her children. Well, as her, as their father is dying, um, he insists that um, Anya fulfill her promise and finish telling their daughters, the fairy tale in its entirety. And this book um, basically we learn a lot about Anya and what happened to her in Russia during World War II. Um, she was in Leningrad um, during World War II and all of the horrifically awful things that happened 
to her and to her family and to the country um, during the siege of Leningrad. And I think for me, I didn't know much about it, you know, I, um, and it was very, the, um, the deprivation during the siege and how people were basically eating non-edible items and, you know, taking, stripping wallpaper off the walls to like boil down to eat. And Mm -hmm. it was horrifying. I've never anything like it in my life. And, you know, people were still required to go to work, even though there really was no work to be done. And she worked in this library and during the winter time, it was so cold in this library or just so cold in the city that people were just freezing to death on their way to and from work or like even at work in their at their posts. Um, and so it was just all about the deprivation that she experienced. She and her uh, we learned things about the fact that she was married before, that she had children before. And, um, you know, through her story, we learn what made her into the cold woman that she was with her with Meredith and Nina during their childhood um and and the three of them kind of come to a beautiful understanding um and the ending to me was bittersweet and to me it was very distressing um parts of it were very distressing but I just it's a book that I've never forgotten and I there's parts of it that are still so starkly vivid in my memory um, just the way that Kristen Hanna wrote about this time period and what people had to do, the lengths they had to go to to survive. It was so, this is going to sound funny, but it was so horrifically beautiful. That's the only way I can think of to describe it. So if you want to read something that's going to make you think and is going to really evoke a time and place that none of us ever want to visit, um, try Winter Garden by Kristen Hanna. I loved it so much. It was like, I think a huge turning point in her writing. Yeah, I Um, agree. It has made her, I think, a much deeper, uh, much more thought-provoking novelist. Yeah, it was excruciating to read, though. Would you agree? It was. It was. It was was lovely, but it was horrible. Um, The the writing wasn't horrible, but the circumstances were. Yes, it's, it's one of the best things out there, I think. I agree. And I, I think if you haven't read it yet, you know, it'll make you really appreciate Kristen Hanna in a whole different way. Even if you've read The Nightingale, this is different. This is different. It's a whole different level of, I don't even know, emotion. <laughs> so my next pick is a young adult duology. Oh. And this is by Elizabeth E. Vine. And it is Codename Verity and Rose Under Fire. And these books are companion novels, so you don't necessarily have to read them in any order, although I would recommend the order that, in which I just spoke them. Um, so Codename Verity takes place in 1943. And a plane has gone down in Germany. And on this plane are some spies. And this is very bad. Because the pilot is dead and the other woman who was on board is now captured. And she is basically a prisoner of war and is subjected to horrifying acts of torture in an attempt to get her to reveal her mission. And she's offered a choice. She can either tell the German officers what they want to know 
or she can suffer this grisly execution. And what we are reading is a confession that this young woman has drafted under great duress. And it's very, very dark, very, very violent. I'm not sure if I was responsible for a young person's reading that I would necessarily condone them reading something like this just because it is very, very stark. Um, I think it has a lot of value for older young adult readers as well as for adults who enjoy this genre. But I would be really careful if you're talking about, you know, a 12 or 13 year old. Um, I'm not sure that this is quite what they should be reading. Rose Under Fire is the companion novel, and it talks about the Ravensbrook concentration camp for women. Yes. Um, And I liked both of these. Codename Verity was my favorite, but Rose Under Fire is also very, very good. So I recommend them both. Um, you can read them, you know, one after another or kind of do what I did and read one and then wait a while and read the next one. But these are fabulous, fabulous books. And I keep my eyes out all the time, keep my eyes open all the time for new books by this author. So these are Codename Verity and Rose Under Fire by Elizabeth E. Vine. <clears throat> I really liked Codename Verity, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't know that I would be really comfortable if I was in charge of kids reading, being like, oh, here, read this. Um, yeah. It'll terrify were... you, but read it. Yes. Um, but it was so good. Like, just a really unique voice as well, like, in, in terms of telling a story like that, I thought, too. So, My next pick is Skeletons at the Feast by Chris Bajelian. And Chris Fidelian doesn't often write historical things. In fact, I'm trying to think if he's written anything else historical. Well, the Sandcastle Girls kind of has that historical, like, element to it. Okay. But generally, he's most known for, similar to Jodi Picoult, taking something that we hear about or think about and bringing it to light in a new way. Um, and his writing, when his writing is good, it's extremely good. So in this book, we see a group of people that are journeying across um, the territory of the Third Reich, trying to get to British and American lines. And the three main characters that we focus in on are Anna, who is a um, Prussian aristocrat. Her family's are, her family's very well off. Her lover, Callum, who is a Scottish prisoner of war, who was basically made to come to her family's farm and be forced labor. And then this officer uh, who they know as Manfred, um, and they think he's a German officer, but actually he is, and this is not me just spoiling things, this is actually you know in the synopsis, he is a, um, a, a man called Yuri Singer, and he has escaped uh, a vehicle that was headed for for Auschwitz and but they don't know that initially and so this basically centers in on what happens during their journey to get to safety to get to British and American lines and this book was just so so awesome and I highly recommend it um again a very unique unique way to write about World War II I thought 
Um, again, this is Skeletons at the Feast by Chris Bajellian. I discovered this next book when I was doing research about the author who wrote um, Marilla of Green Gables. And this book looked so incredible to me that I read it in the day. And it's called The Baker's Daughter by Sarah McCoy. And this book was something that I had never read before. It was, um, well, it was a dual timeline. So of course, you know, I love those. Um, but the, um, the, the, play, the piece of this story that takes place um, during World War II takes place in Germany and focuses on a German teenager named Elsie. And her family is very loyal to Hitler. And um, in fact, her sister was honored to um, go and be part of the, oh, I'm not going to say it right. Shannon, help me. You're going to talk about Yes, thank you. Um, program for um, women to um, carry the babies of Germany. Um, and so she's part of this and, and her family owns a bakery and basically she's engaged to an SS officer who's very high ranking. Um, but, you know, she's just having some just feelings and, and on Christmas Eve, she's, in, she is, she uh, accepts a proposal at a Christmas Eve ball at which a young um, Jewish boy um, is kind of put up on stage and told he has to sing for all of these German officers and their sweethearts at this ball. And so after the ball, um, things come to pass and she's very unsettled by seeing this very skeletal young boy sitting up on stage singing like an angel. And so um, it, it comes to pass that later on that night, she discovers him huddled outside her back door and she makes a decision to rescue him. And it kind of changes her entire worldview um, to take care of this child and to kind of change how she thinks and feels. Um, and she's, she's hiding everything while she's, you know, trying to continue to help her parents keep the bakery open. And it's just a very, very good, um, you know, she's a young adult. She's like 16 or 17. So it's a great coming of age story. And then in the present day we have, in Texas, we have Reba, who is um, a journalist and was asked to write a feel-good piece about Christmas for the magazine that she works for. And so she goes to this German bakery called Elsie's German Bakery, and she kind of meets um, Elsie and her daughter and kind of, through them, kind of learns to see life and relationships in a much more positive way. Um, she has a very contentious relationship with her family. She's having some struggles with her fiance and, and just relationships that she has. And through her relationship with Elsie and her daughter, um, Reba is able to kind of figure some things out about her own life. But for me to read a book that took place largely in Germany, um, that was very fascinating to me to kind of see like just your average everyday citizen who, you know, perhaps kind of gets swept up in this, in this, um, horrific war that's going on and maybe doesn't feel like they have a lot of options. So that book again is called the Baker's daughter by Sarah McCoy. And it was just truly a lovely story. So I highly encourage you to read it. Have either of you read it yet? I have yet. it. I have it on the iPad. Yeah. Um, it's hanging out here. Eventually I will get to it because it yeah. looks amazing. 
um, Christine read it. Uh-huh. And what did and, she say about Oh, she really, really loved it. Yeah. So, yes, it is one I am looking forward to. We have talked about Diane Chamberlain, um, I think, a couple of times before on the podcast. And I could not do this episode without talking about a novel that she wrote last year called The Stolen Marriage. And this takes place in a small town in North Carolina called Hickory. And it's 1944. And Tess has come to Hickory under kind of strange circumstances. She was training to be a nurse. She was engaged to this man that everybody thought was like the, the perfect guy for her. And one day she ends her engagement and admits that she's pregnant with the child of another man, a man that she doesn't know all that well. She appeals to the baby's father for help, and he agrees to marry her, but this is not really a great marriage. Um, Henry Croft, who is her new husband, has a lot of things to hide, and Tess really wants to make this work between them, but she's not sure how. When polio comes to North Carolina, she really comes into her own and blossoms both as a nurse and as a wife um, and a woman in general. And she comes to understand quite a bit about her own power, um, about what she wants out of life, and about love and what it really means to her. Um, This is such a compelling story set against the backdrop of the Second World War. And it's interesting because we hear about the war, um, but it doesn't play the story as it does in some of the other things that we talk about. And yet it is the impetus for so many things that go on. Um, There are some big, big secrets that I in no way saw coming. I just, I loved everything about this book. Um, which is you know, kind of par for the course when it comes to Diane Chamberlain. Um, so this is definitely one of her best. It's the first novel that she's written that is completely historical. She's done a couple things that kind of move back and forth in time, but this is the first that is set exclusively in a period of history, and it is phenomenal. So again, it is The Stolen Marriage by Diane Chamberlain, and I really hope that a lot of people check it out because it's beautiful. I need to read that soon. Yes. I haven't read it. I love her stuff though. She's so so wonderful. My next book is Sarah's Key by Tatiana de Rosner. And this was the first book I ever read of hers. And this is another dual timeline situation. So in the past portion, we see Sarah and her family. Sarah is 10 years old. And it is when the occupation of Paris has started. It's 1942. And her family is very aggressively arrested. And she hides her brother in a cupboard. It's like, oh, we'll we'll be right back. You know, like she doesn't understand that they won't. And thinking, she thinks they're only going to be gone for a couple hours. Um, Fast forward to 2002, and there's this woman named Julia, and she is a journalist. Um, 
as is often the case in these dual timeline novels, I feel like half the time when we talk about these, there's always a journalist or a writer or somebody. <laughs> um, but that's cool. And uh, so anyway, this woman is a journalist, and she is asked by a publication that she writes for to write an anniversary piece, because it's 60, the 60-year anniversary of um, the occupation. And uh, it's a very dark time, obviously, in, in history, but she... And so finding out about Sarah's story and finding out a bunch of, about a bunch of family secrets related to her family uh, as she delves deeper and starts to realize that Sarah and her ordeal are connected to the history of her own family. And so she just feels very compelled to tell Sarah's story and figure out what happened to her. And so we, we see that back and forth in time as she's discovering and then obviously from uh, the perspective of the people in the past as well. Um, this book was really great. And again, it is called Sarah's Key by Tatiana DeRosne. I have The Rain Watcher here to read, which is her newest one. And it's odd to me because like the Sarah's Key and then the one that she wrote after that um, kind of have a similar theme, like about, you know, family secrets and, and learning things about the past. And this one looks really different. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued by it, and I hope to get to it soon. It's like rich people problems or something, isn't it, right, I think? Uh, kind of. Kind of, but I'm, I'm not quite sure how rich these people are. Um, okay. I'm not sure. It's like a bunch of people end up in Paris for this guy, his father's, like, 70th birthday. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not clear exactly how it like plays out, but we will see. It's called The Rain Watcher. I know, it looks really good. I have it on my TBR. I'm going to talk about a new-to-me author named Amy K. Runyon. Um, I just, in my November Picks episode, talked about her new book that's coming out that uh, takes place during World War I. But the book I'm actually talking about tonight, which is called Daughters of the Night Sky, takes place uh, during World War II. And um, I didn't set out to read a bunch of books that take place in Russia during World War II, but this one does as well. And it focuses on Katya, who's this amazing, fabulous heroine that I wish I could be. And Katya is this young woman who decides in childhood that she is going to fly. She's going to be a pilot and no one's going to tell her no. And her mother goes into her school when she's 10 years old and tells the male teacher my daughter will learn math and science with the boys. My daughter will not be in just like the, the home ec classes, basically. You will teach her. And after a lot of resentment, she's able to learn math and science, and she goes into this um, flight academy to learn to be a pilot. And she ends up being um, a navigator for other male pilots. And people at this um, academy keep trying to hold her back because she's a woman. So I tell you all that to explain that during World War II, it was very uncommon for there to be, um, you know, women flying planes, women who were pilots and navigators. But um, there was this group that was formed that I'd never heard about. Um, And um, the Germans called them the night witches because what they would do is they'd fly these, forgive my very classy description here, but completely piece of crap planes. And they, yeah, and they were ancient planes and like she described the engine like the engine was like a sewing machine motor like just these really crappy planes yeah 
And what they would do is their job was to just keep the Germans awake at night, to bomb their camps, to cause as much, wreak as much havoc as they could, because what was going to happen is it would distract the Germans from doing more in Russia. So this group of women, it was a, a group of women that was formed and they would go in, um, in these planes with no parachutes, with very minimal, um, communication equipment, um, and just, you know, planes that were basically made out of cloth and chewing gum and rubber bands. I mean, I'm kidding, but it, they were very, you know, and, and how this, this group of women, um, formed this sort of sisterhood as they, um, flew planes to distract Germany. And there's a, um, romantic element to it. Um, she meets a pilot, uh, Katya does right before the war and they fall in love and get married. And there's some conflict about her flying and staying safe, um, or staying at home and, and being safe at home or doing what her heart is telling her, which is fly a plane in the war. And it was such a compelling story. I couldn't put it down. Um, and just, again, talked about some aspects of history that I wasn't aware of. So this book, again, is called Daughters of the Night Sky. And the author is Amy K. Runyon. And in case you're trying to look her up, her name is actually spelled, Amy is spelled A-I-M-I-E, if you're trying to find her, if that helps. So before we officially start the last round, I am going to invite Jen, I would invite Stacy as well, but I, I don't think you've read this, to take a trip down memory lane with me to, oh, <laughs> we are going to an undisclosed location. I feel left out. I feel like I'm not a cool kid at the table, but whatever. <laughs> we are going back in time to an undisclosed place where many men are living on an army base, or maybe okay. it's an air force base. And many, many, many strange things happen in this base, such uh -huh. as people calling on the phone and saying very random, T.S. Eliot, ha -ha. and then hanging up. Oh, yes, Catch-22. Yes, Joseph Heller's Catch-22, I think, was one of the high points of my college reading curriculum. This is an utterly zany, satirical look um, at World War II, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Hungry Joe. And it's not, yes, Hungry Joe, who went to live in the woods and was worried he'd be eaten by a cat or something. And the cat was going to kill him by sleeping on his face. <laughs> That's right. It was going to suffocate him. And there was just, like, all these crazy, like, antics these people got up to. And the book itself, <laughs> I found... <laughs> amusing in a dark crazy kind of way and yet if I think about it at all like critically I think that it was intended to to make a point um I cannot say that I'm fully aware of what the point is but I think it was trying to make one and it is I think one of my strangest memories of World War II based novels and I, I couldn't um I couldn't let this episode go by without at least mentioning Joseph Heller's Catch-22. I don't know that I recommend it unless you <laughs> don't want... Don't watch the movie. No, don't watch the movie. The it's movie's... not as good. 
No, the movie. And you have to read it through dreadful. Learning Ally or whatever they're called now. I hope if you read it through Learning Ally, like if you <laughs> have a have an account or a subscription or whatever it is you need to have with that. I'm hoping that it's it's read differently than when I had it in college because um, it was pretty dreadful. Oh dear yes. lord! Yes. Um, For people who don't know, it, these are books on tape read by volunteers. They're typically textbooks or um, like more scholastic-minded books, um, and they're read yeah, really sorry, poorly. Very poorly. People burp and swallow and, and eat, sneeze and eat and. Eat. <laughs> moan apparently so yes uh, yes they do yeah and then different people will like one person might start a sentence and somebody else might finish it yes it's very um it's very strange but i i just didn't feel that it would be correct to have a world war ii episode of the podcast and not talk about yosarian who is the main character in this oh so zany story So if I've made you curious again, it's Catch-22 by Joseph Heller, and it is bonkers. All right. So I'm done with that now. And now on to your official last. (laughs) Yes. I just, I could not resist. So I was torn. There were two books, one of them not being Catch-22, that I wanted to talk about for this last this last book um but i've decided to tell you about my enemy's cradle by sarah young my last pick is a book that i had no idea even existed until i was doing research for this episode and i'm not really sure how that's possible but this is my enemy's cradle and it's by sarah young this came out in 2008 And I'm very, very glad that I finally discovered it. So this novel takes a look at the Lebensborn homes, which were part of Hitler's kind of grand plan for world domination. Basically, he decided that beautiful, blonde, Aryan women would have sex with Nazis. And they would create these perfect children. And this would, you know, eventually lead to like this superior race of people that would all be perfect the way Hitler thought they should be. Um, I'm not sure that this is any kind of a good idea, but, you know, it's Hitler and he is not known for his great ideas. So these these homes apparently existed um, in all of the countries that were near Germany that Hitler occupied. So Holland and Austria and Germany, those are the three that I know for sure had them, and I'm guessing other places did as well. So our heroine is a 19-year-old girl named Sirla, and Sirla is half Jewish. She lives with her aunt and uncle and her cousin Anik, and they are, are not Jewish. Um, she's Jewish on her father's side and Gentile on her mother's side. And She's living with her her family, and her cousin, Anik, is involved with a Nazi soldier. When she finds out that she's pregnant, she is supposed to enter one of these Lebensborn homes, but she can't do that. Like she, it, it goes against everything she believes in, and she ends up killing herself. So, Sarah, 
is also pregnant, although not by a Nazi officer, um, but by a Jewish man that she believes herself to be in love with. Oh, jeez. And she, because she's, she's half Jewish, she happens to look a lot like Anique. So she becomes Anique. She basically steals her identity and goes into the Lebensborn home as Anique. So she is someone that is half Jewish and she's hiding in like a Nazi home. And this is very dangerous and terrible. And she is trying to figure out a way to like, get out, get herself, get her baby out um, without being discovered. But she doesn't really know how she's going to do that. And I enjoy books that have kind of that undercover feel. Um, and I also am very interested in like parts of history that I don't know a lot about. So this was the perfect book for me. Um, it's very sad in places. It taught me things about like the eugenics movement that I hadn't really known. So it's a, a tough read, but so very worth your while um, if you decide to tackle it. It's pretty lengthy um, in print. It's slightly over 400 pages, but I loved it so much. And I encourage people to pick it up if you haven't heard of it. It is My Enemy's Cradle, and it is by Sarah Young. And that's Sarah without an H. I didn't know anything about this program. I mean, maybe I heard about it like in a history class at one point way back in my youth. But um, the first time that I remember this even being on my radar was when I read The Beekeeper's Ball by Susan Wiggs and they talked about it. And it's just such a horrifying concept to think that there were women who were proud to give their bodies in, in service to Hitler and to you know, the Nazi movement and all the things. And I, I just can't imagine um, what it would take to have that sort of like brainwashed, like, you know, feeling where you go into this home and just are treated not always super well by all these different soldiers to get the perfect children. Um, mm -hmm. And yet you're treated well, like you're like, once you're pregnant, yeah, you're like gold, yep. you know, they feed you like way better. And I think that's what kind of prompted a lot of like young women to enter these homes is mm -hmm. that horribly they, sad yes yeah. but they could be cared for they had medical care they had good food yeah um you know they they weren't they didn't have to worry about how they would survive but for yet, the length of their pregnancy and sometimes even after but once that child left the mother's womb it became a Nazi basically and yes. started going into <laughs> right. training. And they, we, they, I learned about this a little bit in the Baker's daughter also. Um, Cause like I said, her sister went into one of these homes. Um, and so it was, it's just horrifying. So I, I need to pick this up because it's something that is really starkly awful. And I think was really covered up after the war ended. Um, mm -hmm. But it's really important to know about. I mean, that's within living history, you know, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's, it's intense, but yeah, but I definitely recommend it. Okay, so I'm going to get to my last pick, but I want to quickly mention because whereas I don't believe these are in print, they are still available on audio if you read that way, a few of them are. There's a great series by Stuart Kaminsky that I'm not going to go into massive detail about, but just mention them. That's his Toby Peters series um, that's set during World War II, but it's more of like a home front type series um, 
where there is this private investigator, Toby Peters, and he does investigations uh, surrounding celebrities of the day. So like Clark Gable and um, I think Eleanor Roosevelt is the one of, they're just a bunch of, bunch of people. And it's delightful. There's weird characters. Like he shares the house, uh, lives in a boarding house rather with um, a midget uh, translator and he, uh, the building where he does his, has his office, uh, rents his office space from, is owned by a former wrestler who is now a poet. And uh, he has all these kind of fun sidekicks and gets up to all kinds of adventures. And there's some, some light romance in there as well. And it's just, it's, it's a fun series. I enjoy it. But on to my actual last pick. And that is... Um, Jack Dawes by Ken Follett. This book uh, talks about a group of all women saboteurs that go in um, in an effort. Uh, England was wanting to show support for the French resistance. So they go to basically take down a communications hub that was set up by the Nazis, but the Nazis know that they're coming. And this woman, Felicity, who's called Flick, she is in charge of recruiting all these people, and the women that she recruits are all amateurs. They've never done spying before. Um, they don't have a lot of time to get trained in what they need to be doing, and they want, she wants all women because she thinks a good ruse is going to be that they go in to imposing... Uh, they, I'll try this again. They go in posing as a cleaning crew. And she thinks that's going to be a good disguise for them to get in to take down this communication hub. And there is a uh, trans character as well. Um, so that I thought was a cool choice. And um, it's just a very, uh, very cool um, book. There is some romance as well. I read this book quite a long time ago. Um, but it was just a really interesting uh, look. It's it set in 1944, so 10 days before D-Day. And this this book takes place over the course of those 10 days, and it's very, very action-filled, and it's really cool. And there, again, there, as with, um, you know, pilots, women pilots in general, there, there weren't a lot of women spies that you heard about. And, and so this was kind of a cool way to kind of look at that. And uh, I enjoyed this book a lot. Again, it's called Jack Dawes. And it is by Ken Follett. I liked it a lot. Um, Ken Follett is not an author that I always enjoy, but mm -hmm. he's written some great things. Another one that he wrote about World War II, which I have not read yet, but is also sitting on my iPad, mm -hmm. is the second book in his Century Trilogy mm -hmm. called Winter of the World. Um, and it looks really, really good. But Jack Dawes is wonderful. In fact, I think I would like to reread it sometime soon. Yeah, I think I need to, too, because I remember really liking it. But I read it a really long time ago at this point. Yeah, I did, too. I read it, God, I think even like back when I was in grad school, maybe. Mm -hmm, right. So I really struggled with what my final pick was going to be. Because like I said earlier, it's sort of hurting my soul that I am not talking about The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. Um, I also really struggled because um, in Suzanne Brockman's Troubleshooters novels, um, in her early book, she did a lot of stories taking place in World War II. So there'd be like a, 
a present day story. And then there'd be um, a dual timeline aspect where we'd, we'd see some characters during World War II. And oftentimes the World War II aspect of the story was my favorite. So I love those. And, you know, I love Susan Wiggs, her, um, her The Apple Tree and the Beekeeper's Ball. Um, she wrote one called Map of the Heart that was pretty good also. But, you know, there's just so many books to choose from. But what I decided was going to actually be the pick that I'm going to talk in depth about is Lilac Girls by Martha Hall Kelly. And I really wasn't sure I was going to like this book. I actually picked it up a couple years ago. And I started reading chapter one and I was like, what the hell is this? And I put it down because I was so <laughs> bored. And I just like this like social light. And I'm like, who cares? Like if there's enough World War right. salad for your stupid, like whatever your, you know, your fundraiser thing. And I don't know. And I just, and she like falls in love with this guy, like right away. It's almost like love at first sight. And it was so annoying, but I read a lot of reviews on it. And the reviews said, if you can get through the first part where it's, it's um, from this, this woman's perspective, the whole tone of the book changes. So I gave it a second chance and I'm really glad I did. It's about three women, Caroline, who is the vapid New York socialite who ends up not being vapid at all. Um, and Kasha, who is a, uh, Kasha, Kasha, I'm saying her name wrong. I know I am. Um, she is a, a teenager in Poland um, and then Hertha, who is a German doctor. And the three women, their stories all intersect. But to me, the most fascinating. So Caroline Faraday, who's the socialite in New York, um, basically she goes in and affects a lot of change and, and tries to use her money for the greater good. Um, and what I learned after reading this book is that she's a, um, actual, she's a, a real person. Um, so her story was based on events in, in real life, um, which made me like her a little bit more. And then, but the, to me, the most interesting aspect of the story was Kasia, who's a Polish teenager and she's working for the underground resistance and um, is, is captured and with her mother and her sister and taken to Ravensbrück, um, which is a concentration camp for exclusively for women and at this camp, there's a young German doctor working named Hertha. And um, Hertha comes to this camp because she needs to earn money for her mother, but also to get away from a lecherous uncle. And, you know, but you soon find that Hertha is not a sympathetic character at all. Um, she's very, you know, gung ho Hitler, and, and, you know, Jewish people aren't quite as, they're like second class citizens to her. Um, and so anyway, so um, Kasha and her, her mother and sister end up at this camp with a few other people they know. And um, they're just, they live in such deprivation. You know, the, the, the camp on the outside looks beautiful. There's like this beautiful road that they call Beauty Road. And there's like exotic animals in a cage and flower boxes on the outsides of the barracks. But it's just, it's, it's hell on earth on the inside. And the way that these women are treated is just horrific. And one of the perpetrators of this is Hertha, who's the doctor. And um, she begins experimenting on some of the women. And I never had heard of this. They were called the rabbits. Um, and I'm not going to tell you why, because I want you to read it. I don't want to spoil everything for you. But just the lengths that people would go to experiment and learn because these people, oh, they're going to die anyway. They're prisoners are going to die anyway. It was really horrifying. So this, this book follows the journeys of Caroline in New York um, and Kasia and her family. 
and Hertha and basically kind of their evolution as characters. And the majority of it takes place during World War II, but there's a there's a sequence that takes place during like 1958, um, during the final third or so of the book. And, you know, I, I don't want to give too much of it away because it's just such an intense story. I was up till five in the morning reading it. I couldn't put it down. Um, so if you want something that's really going to grip you and not let you go, um, and if you get past the Waldorf salad and the silly love affair in chapter one, um, <laughs> I highly recommend Lilac Girls by Martha Hall Kelly. And if you're reading this book as an audiobook, I think that the narration elevated the story even more because it's um, each woman is told that uh, there's a narrator for each woman, Cassandra Campbell, Kathleen yeah. Gauti, and um, Catherine, I forget what her last name is, but they all did a really stellar job. So Lilac Girls by Martha Hall Kelly. Yeah. To learn, whoops, sorry. Go ahead. To learn more about the rabbits of Ravensbrook, you can check out a book called Mischling, M-I-C, no, M-I-S-C-H-L-I-N-G, which um, is the story of twins, one of whom oh, wow. was one of the... Rabbits? Rabbits, yes. Oh. Yes, it's a, it's a heartbreaking book. The, the whole experimentation thing just makes my skin crawl. It's horrifying. Well, it's, it's yes, just another it aspect of the Livingsborn, I can't say it right, but that program. I mean, just the things right. that were done in the name of perfection and, you know, in the name of Hitler. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it, it's, it's scary. Right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's just But ultimately, this, this book, just in case anyone's worried, because, you know, Stacey Bassett does not read anything that has a bad ending. So um, <laughs> this book, to me, it, it really had a beautiful story. Um, there was a lot of hardship and trauma, but there are beautiful things too, just to reassure you. <laughs> I wanted to like it so much more I know. than I did. Um, Caroline bothered me a lot, like real person or no. Um, I felt like her story was just very jarring in comparison to the other two. Yeah. And I, I struggled with it a lot. Um, so I, I'm sad that I didn't have the same kind of well, like, I, gripping experience. I sort of saw her as the vehicle to move the other two stories to their resolution. And if you looked at her that way, I, I agree think with it that. Was okay. yeah. But I, I get it. She it would get to her chapters and I'd be like, oh, damn. <laughs> Caroline and her unrequited love for her married Frenchman lover. Like, it just was silly. But anyway, if you can get past her, I mean, I, I really thought it was worth reading. So. So there are so many books that take place during World War II. We could talk about this for a very, very long time, but I don't believe we will <laughs> because no one would want to listen to it for a very long time. And Christine, I don't think would want to edit it for a very long time. So I think we are going to have to be done, but maybe we will revisit World War II um, at a later date. I want to say thank you to Stacy and Jen for their fabulous recommendations for today's episode and as always thanks goes out to christine for her fantastic editing that makes these episodes um, come out so much better than they otherwise would yes you can again find us on facebook by searching book bistro podcast please feel free to like and follow the page as well as to join our facebook group where you can chat with us and with other Book Bistro listeners. 
You can get a hold of the Book Bistro team either by using Facebook or by sending an email to the Book Bistro Podcast at Gmail. Bleh. The Book Bistro <laughs> Podcast at gmail.com. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a rating or a review, um, primarily on Apple Podcasts, but really on any um, platform that you use to listen to the podcast. It will help other people find us and it will help us show up um, more prominently in Google searches and podcast specific searches. So we would appreciate that. Anyway, I hope you all have a fantastic week full of fabulous books. We will be back next week with more discussion of great books. And until then, I hope all of you are well and filled with wonderful books. Take care, everybody.